Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Work Therapy Podcast, where the struggle is real, but the possibilities are endless. I am Brooke, your co-host and founder here at In Good Company. Work Therapy is a little corner of the internet where we explore the modern work landscape, how to navigate it, and make it meaningful. Okay, so today I'm excited. I have my friend and colleague at Times, Jonathan Goley. Welcome, Jonathan. Uh, Hi, Brooke. I'm glad to be here. Yes, we've known each other a while, so we'll go into that in a minute, but wanted to go ahead and introduce him. So Jonathan has really been in the field of helping companies grow, helping support leaders through change for the last 10 years. His first five years, he did this with a fast-growing company, many of you may know, called Magnolia in Waco, Texas. And the last five years, he's been doing it as a consultant with many different companies. So his expertise is leading companies through the challenges of growth. So I'm really excited, Jonathan, to have your wisdom today. And you, you've been through it, right? Like you've <laughs> yes, been there. <laughs> you've been there, done that just a few times. So just, yeah, just really excited to have your wisdom and not just that, but just, you know, how you approach work. And I'm very relational. You're very relational. Mm-hmm. We're both very passionate, energetic people. Um, I think that's why people like doing offsites with us, strategic offsites, because <laughs> for sure, <laughs> there's not a dull moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no dull moments around here. Okay, so let's, this is something fun I love to do is just start with an icebreaker. And I actually invite teams to do this at the beginning. I call them check-in questions at the beginning of their weekly operations meeting. It's just a really good way to get everybody in the room. And so I like to do it on this podcast just as an example of like, okay, let's connect first and then get into the meat. So uh, Mm, the question I, yeah, the question I have today is what has your attention lately? And then I'll go after you. <laughs> that's awesome. That's wow. That's a great question. So, what has my attention now is the whole power of identity. Um, I've been thinking a lot about how people don't follow what you say; they follow who you are. And maybe it's my own stage of life. My wife and I are just recently empty nesters, but I find myself getting you know into this place where I'm having to make decisions, and a lot of the decisions are. You know, would I like to do this work? Would I like to join this company? Would I like to do this next venture? And found myself going, I don't think it just comes down to if I like it or I don't like it. And so someone introduced me to this, this whole process of kind of getting back to your unique, true identity. And man, that has become so helpful for making decisions. And I find that I love bringing that even into the workplace because I think if people are really clear on who they are, then if they're doing what, you know, kind of aligns with who they are, a, more, a lot more likely going to enjoy the work and are going to be a lot more um, desiring to stay in that work for a long time. And so that's what's kind of got my attention is just the whole deal of identity. And I think we don't, we see that not just like in my own life being an empty nester and at work. I think in some ways, I think we have a nation with an identity crisis and it would be really powerful to see you know, people one person at a time getting back to who they truly are. And man, just thinking about the impact of that, what that would have on families and communities, businesses, and even a nation um, if identity was was something we came back to. So that's been me. How about you? Oh my gosh, I love it. Just just a little 
something you're thinking about lately? <laughs> I do think about that a lot. <laughs> so, but can I ask you a follow-up question? Yeah, please. I'm going to break the rules. Um, yeah. So when you say identity, like mm -hmm. what is your definition of identity? Yeah, I think it's fundamentally who someone is. It's, I'm not necessarily going to use the word wiring because that gets into like science, brain science. I, I mean, it's just, I think there's been over the last year of having conversations with my wife and my kids and even close friends who watch me work and, and serve as a leader in so many different contexts. One of the things they highlighted to me is there's, there's, there's a way that you have operated. There's been a passion you have, a dream you have, a longing you have for your life, right? Not just for work, but for your life. So I really kind of look at identity in terms of who you uniquely are that, you know, you long for this in your life, you're passionate about this in your life. Um, and, and I think a lot of times if people think about, you know, <laughs> I've used this phrase, you know, if, if you knew you were a hundred percent loved, meaning you didn't have to go do something for any other reason, you just knew you were a hundred percent loved. Um, how would you live? What would you do? And, and a lot of times they start bringing up their fears and I'm thinking, well, yeah, love kind of combats fear. <laughs> so if you are knowing you're fully loved, um, then let's say fear is now out of the equation. How would you show up? Who are you? And, you know, I don't know that I only have one way that I think about that, but I feel like when people think of their calling, they think of their name, why they were named by their parents, what they are, um, you know, what fires them up. That's kind of what I get to is just, and then we kind of put it into a phrase, you know, so like a unique identity statement, not that it has to be, but the conversations I've had have helped me to kind of get it into a phrase that I, I'm now using as a decision-making filter. And, mm -hmm. and that has been wildly effective. So do you share your phrase with anybody? Yeah. So my, my phrase is I'm a dreamer with a lion heart. Mm, I love that. And so it, you know, I've done all kinds of work and I've even going back as a child, just thinking I've always been someone with a big imagination who's thinking about the future. It's, it's very important to me. Like even I'm very selective on like what I read and what I listen to. Not that I am not open to ideas, but I, I'm really careful on what I see. Because what I see is very important. And um, so I want to see people well. <laughs> you know, I want, to, I want to see things rightly. And the Lionheart thing is just about having the courage to help people, uh, even when it costs something emotionally, spiritually, financially. You know, I, I value the courage aspect of risking. And so, yeah, I think just in my now, in my line of work, I really am focusing on working with dreamers. So I'm not interested in. Uh, making wealthy business owners wealthier. <laughs> I would like to know, hey, tell me the dream behind this thing you're doing. Tell me who, how you see yourself. Uh, does this dream align with who you are? And if that those two things are there, then I find myself getting fired up <laughs> to, to help them. If those things are not there, then I just pass. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think that was a good one. It's been great, everybody. Just kidding. Just a few mic drops already. No, I love that you said that. And it's so interesting. It goes with kind of what I was going to share has, you know, mm. my attention lately. And I was like, oh gosh, identity. And it's funny. Like I just, I've been working with a coach and she's like, you are fearlessly authentic. And I was like, yeah, mm. that is so important to me. Powerful. Fearless authenticity. Yeah. Yes. And wow. yeah. And one of my, you know, one of my, I would say my personal values and that I bring into work is like unpolished professionalism. So for me, that's like very important to be fully myself. You know, it's probably why yeah. I work with companies now and build like human centric people, positive cultures. Cause I value so much that people, like you said, can come in and be themselves. What a <laughs> novel idea, right? Yes. It's crazy. It makes me so <laughs> fired up to think about most of us don't feel like we can. And hence why I'm doing this podcast, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. But yeah, what has my intention lately, and I'll go quick, is just my newly nine-year-old is, you know, I like, <laughs> some people are going to judge me. So he's <laughs> nine. I've never read a parenting book. Um, I've listened to a couple podcasts. I think, I think parenting is just, I'm pretty intuitive person um, mm -hmm. and I'm very disciplined. So I think I've kind of relied on like, well, I'm going to be disciplined and, and intuitive and, you know, yeah. I've got strong totally. values, but I think at this age when it's like, okay, there's like more complexity there, you know, yes. this developmental stage <laughs> and he has been diagnosed with like, you know, ADHD. I'm not saying that's who he is when we're talking about identity. I think it's really important to separate that. Like, that's what somebody has said. What I know about him is that he has big energy and um, he, he brings a presence and we're mm. in wherever he goes, like his enthusiasm is healing. And wow. Um, it's a distraction in the classroom. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I, yes, I understand that. <laughs> I got him this book called Raising Emotionally Healthy Boys. And it's like this little workbook. And I'm like, he's nine. I've never had him do any like developmental work, you know, I'll like right. give him like support him, like managing stuff. But he did like, oh, like 12 pages all by himself last night. I can't even tell you how much joy that has brought me just like develop, like supporting my child in his development and yes. like letting him do it. Does that make yeah. sense? It's not like, absolutely. You have to get this right. It's like, hey, and he, one of the things they did, which is so interesting what you shared, it's you write a box. He's like, um, it's a counselor who created this book. And he was like, what, if you could be any superhero, like draw yourself. So he drew, him, cool. drew himself. Yeah. And he drew like, it says like special man. He's huh. like on his shirt. And I was like, we all just like want to be special. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's so true. Which yeah. we are special, you know, <laughs> but it was like special man. And you had to say like, what superpowers do you have? And he said, I, um, my superpower is math. And I was like, shocker, your dad's smart. You know, yeah. like you, um, <laughs> And he, yeah, anyways, so all identity, wow. right? And it gets yeah. formed, which is terrifying. And also it's all going to be okay when they're children, when we're children. Right. <laughs> and, um, and so, and it's not done, right? Your kids are yes. out of the house. You've raised your own and you're still on that journey. That's, I mean, that's profound. I, I think like talking about parenting, it's, you know, there's so many correlations between either, you know, how we were parented or how we parent and 
how we show up at work. And, you know, I was thinking about how, you know, I've always thought about, you know, kids are so impressionable. I've always seen them as kind of fragile, but kind of growing up in a broken home myself and my own, you know, healing journey, I've come more to the realization that I think children are very resilient. They, they definitely need to be in a loving environment where they're safe and seen and known and accepted all of that. But man, it gives us a lot of permission and grace as parents to say, Hey, <laughs> we didn't receive, you know, just fragility and preciousness. We received a very resilient human <laughs> who is going to be able to navigate through the child days into the teen days into the college days and beyond. And so I don't know, allows me to feel a little bit more peace as a parent that, Hey, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to do this perfect. They are resilient and will be even forged by learning from our mistakes or the challenges they face at school. You know, we're not, I don't know. I always say we're not trying to childproof the world. So let's dive into the listener question this week. So this comes from someone who's a partner in an agency. Hmm. And so they offer, uh, believe it's marketing services. They didn't get into the details, but their question was around handling conflicts and setting boundaries. So really dealing with pressure and mm -hmm. uh, really still conflict, they said, when shit hits the fan. Yeah, I mean, I think handling conflict is such a normal conversation and probably something that people read books on and listen to podcasts or, or, or you know, a conversation with. And the fact that it is still one of those things that shows up at work. And, you know, the, the recent studies have shown that, you know, over, over 70% of the current workplace is disengaged with their work. And we know that the number one reason people leave a job is because of their boss. <laughs> the number two is their team. And I would say of the healthy people that I've worked with who have really had to think about, do I stay here? Or do I go? The healthy ones, it's not because there's personality differences or they got passed over for a job. It's really when things get tense because we're under pressure to do something really well, they don't feel there's a safe place to work through differences in a way that leads to life and leads to growth and leads to better, <laughs> better work. And so I, I think the conflict and handling that conflict, if whether you're a, on a team or you're leading a team, I would go as far as to say, you could probably look at numbers of people leaving a job that they loved. Mm -hmm. And you probably could find that a number of those, it literally was unresolvable conflict with a team member. So it's massive. It's a massive reason people don't want to be where they are. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it happens to the best of people too, that really have, I think we think like a shared vision is going to fix everything and it, it just doesn't. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We realize that and we, we think like, oh, and we think, you know, if we just like, yeah, give people strong vision and pay them mm -hmm. well, they'll stay. But what I'm hearing from you and what I I've experienced personally and, you know, research tells us is that it's just, it's not enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, not that this is the focus of today, but I think a lot of times people, if they don't know who they are, then in conflict, they're vying for something that is never going to be solved. You know, it's like if I'm trying to be something I'm not, 
if I'm trying to grow into a role that I'm not, if I'm trying to be more liked than I feel I am. And that's just all that's going on is I, I'm insecure about who I am. And so now I'm in this tense conflict or I'm in this uh, unresolvable conflict. Um, it's not going to get solved. So it is interesting that I think when you're working in a healthy team, which you and I have worked together, we've worked side by side. I mean, we, we know that healthy teams are a place where people get transformed. They just, they get healed. They're like, man, this is the first time I feel like I'm on a team where I'm seen and cared for and I'm challenged and called up. And that's why a lot of people would say who they work with, or if they were in the military and they were serving together, that's their brothers, that's their sisters, mm -hmm. uh, even more than family. So I, I get really excited about giving people, you know, illustrations or a vision of how a healthy team, a healthy workplace uh, can change lives. And, you know, I think it was Patrick Lencioni that once said that, you know, um, you know, healthy cultures are immune to most threats. And mm -hmm. so you don't have to focus on threats. You just focus on health and you'll get there. And I thought, man, I, that fires me up. I, I would love to focus on healthy marriage, healthy family, healthy work life. It doesn't have to be perfect, but man, it needs to be healthy and moving towards health. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, with that, I actually wrote about this on LinkedIn because I post there now. Okay. Um, You're <laughs> a poster, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Trying here. Uh, hmm. but you know, I, and I work with teams and I focus on culture and I'll have sometimes founders be like, we've done so much work and get so discouraged when unhealthy conflict arises, or there's a toxic quote unquote, I like how you define it. So I want you to define yeah. it, but yeah, really I was processing that it was a few weeks ago and I was like, okay, the difference in really in healthy cultures and ones that are toxic is when you notice that unhealth creeping in, how you, mm. how quickly and effectively you deal with it. Because like you said, nobody is a hundred percent immune. Like we're mm -hmm. not, there's going to be ebbs and flows. No culture is just going to be like on this trajectory of like health, health. It's like a constant. Yes. It's a, it's a journey. Um, but really what differentiates it and is how do we deal with it and how quickly we deal with it. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, you had asked, you said one time when we were talking through a situation with a, a shared client, I, you had said, you know, we were kind of using the illustration of family. You know, it's like every family has dysfunctions. The healthy families talk about it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's the talking about it and it's the handling it and and moving quickly, you know, because I think whenever, you know, conflict happens in, in the workplace, and I would just say this, if courageous, smart people are working together, there's going to be conflict. <laughs> conflict is just the difference of ideas, the difference of opinion. There's going to be times where there's a stress, there's a, there's an interpersonal conflict. It's not like we're trying to see, are we going to design and prove this design, or we're going to build this and improve that build? Or is it, you know, that's, that's one level. It's no, I, I'm working with you, you're working with me. And something has happened where trust is breached. And the ability to talk about that and then for, you know, teammates to see, man, they quickly, when you, when you bring something to the light that was interpersonal, they quickly make amends. They quickly start practicing the thing I said. It just, it brings hope. It brings joy. Like, oh, this person doesn't want this discomfort and this breach of trust to, to exist here. Yeah. Um, 
And so that, to your point of, it's you got to get to resolution and start moving quickly. You don't have to hit the high bar quickly. You don't have to uh, be great at it yet. But you know, if if we're in a relationship and something that happens is in a meeting, I'm constantly cutting you off and I'm interrupting you, and you have to sit down and say, "Hey, <laughs> what I'm bringing to the table is important," and I feel like it's getting cut off. You know, if we're in the next conversation, I interrupt. I go, "Oh, so sorry, Brooke." I'm sorry for interrupting. Carry on. You know, you're like, okay. He 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 sees it. He's working on it, right? So, I like how you talked about your core value. It's like, hey, there's a rawness and there's an openness and there's a humanness to this, but we're professional, <laughs> and you know, and I don't have to have a workplace where everything is working perfectly. But definitely, if there's interpersonal conflict, I want to know the person's moving towards health quickly. I think people will say, well, like, how are, how do you know they're moving to a health? Because they're open and they're coachable, right? Yes. And they're, absolutely. they're hearing you. That's so right. what happens if, you know, you're trying to set a boundary or you're dealing with stress and pressure and you're not getting, getting the other, it's not being reciprocated. Absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of people feel, right? Is they're, they're in a company, they're in a business, they're in a work, they've already been there for a while and They've been dealing with a situation that has been going on for a while and they want to they want to get started into a new path of health with whoever they're dealing with, right? So a phrase that I learned, you know, working with you, Brooke, that I really loved is this phrase leading with curiosity. Stephen Covey was the one who said, you know, seek first to understand, not to be understood, right? But it really is true. You know, if if I'll just use our our fake analogy here, you know, if I we work together all the time and I'm interrupting your meetings and I'm cutting you off and it's beginning to feel disrespectful, right? Um, you know, a leading with curiosity would say, hey, I like working together and I value your opinions and I, I believe we can be really successful, but I, and I'd like you to help me understand why when I started to talk about this, and I like, I think the more specific example you can give, the better. When we was talking about this and you, you cut me off and you interrupted, help me understand what's going on there, you know, and you leave it open. <laughs> a lot of times people, they just don't know they're doing it. Um, but maybe you uncover that they have, they felt disrespected by you or something comes up. And so the leading with curiosity creates the place to get to what the truth of what's really going on. So, you know, in our little analogy, if I, you, you led with curiosity, you asked me one and I say, well, I didn't realize I was doing that, but here's something you're doing in your agenda and in the work that I feel like it's counterproductive and it's causing stress for me, right? Now we're now we're curious, now we're being open. And that, you know, the second thing, so first thing is like leading with curiosity. I'd say the second thing is um, showing up with emotional courage. And emotional courage is saying the authentic, honest thing, whether or not it's going to be well-received or not. <laughs> you know, so again, in my fake little scenario here, if I've been cutting you off because I feel like the direction you're going is counterproductive and that's causing pain for me, and now I'm feeling frustrated with that, then I have to be open to say that, right? And just say, here's how I'm experiencing you doing your work. And then you are going to have to be able to be emotionally courageous as well, <laughs> you know, and say, hey, Jonathan, I appreciate you sharing that. And I want you to know I'm committed to finding solutions that are counter that are productive and that do not create pain for you. 
but we need to start with the fact that I've been experiencing you interrupting me and you've not had this conversation with me. And so let's get back to, <laughs> you know, how do we have meetings where we're not having this? Mm-hmm. And I think if you leave with curiosity and then everybody shows up with emotional courage, then you can get to the action, right? The plan, which is, okay, I'm not going to speak until you call on me. Or if I have an issue with you in the future, I'm going to schedule a one-on-one with you to talk that through so it doesn't show up in a meeting. Um, And I think I heard someone say this one time that if you have a conflict at work or anywhere and you you just move quickly to the action and don't have the emotional courage, just move to the action and how can we change it? That's only healthy when you're in the midst of a fire going on right now. The crisis is right now. Exactly. Like there's a volcano erupting and we got to get everybody yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of like if, you know, you and someone you love are going on a, on a trip and you got into a situation, you got into a conflict, but then it's like, hey, <laughs> you know, we might miss our flight or, hey, you know, the, the hotel's on fire. <laughs> it's like, um, hey, I know we need to talk about this, but we need to get going, you know? So that's the only time jumping to action and commitment without showing up emotionally courageous is we're in the midst of the the volcano. And so many people in their personal lives and their work lives, they only jump to the action Mm -hmm. and then they commit. So there's really very little, there's not, the, the, the trust is not deep. The relationship is not deep. It's just transactional. A hundred percent. And so, but if the, but if, but if in the, t- the context of team or if we're leaders of something, we say, hey, I do want to lead with curiosity, ask good questions. I want to show up and share how I'm experiencing this situation. I want you to do the same. Then there's the opportunity to truly say, wow, I did not realize my actions were affecting you that way. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that there has been an old school perspective for so long that you don't say you're sorry because that then makes you vulnerable and it's, you know, and this person could use that against you. Well, if we're talking about relationships, talking about work, like your team, um, being able to say you're sorry is one of those powerful things you can do. Yeah. It's so funny. We actually talked about that in the episode last week. I think the dialogue just needs to shift because, you know, there's, you're always, there's always risk, right? So I think what, you know, corporate culture in America has done is they've shifted risk to like, how can we not get a lawsuit? Right. And because what you are risking though, if you swing it so far that way is you're risking that transactional robotic team that doesn't have their whole head, heart, in the game, right? That's right. And yeah. so I just tell people, I'm like, hey, there's risk either way. Where do you want it to lie? Every investment requires risk. I noticed, you know, <laughs> I, I was listening to this podcast and they have to say it at the end because they like talk about stocks and they own stocks. They always say like, every investment requires risk. And I was like, it like stopped me in my tracks one day. I'm like, every investment requires risk. Hmm. Wow. Yes. Like, yes. right that's it (laughs) and like sometimes we make good bets sometimes they're not the best bets right and it sucks when you don't make a good bet 
Um, when you don't right. get, make a good bet on a hire, when you don't make a good bet on a business decision, it's just, it's going to happen, right? Because we are, yes. we are making bets all day, every day. And I think if we can just ground and understand that we can also have a new understanding and appreciation for emotional courage yes. and the language of I'm sorry and thank you. And will you forgive me? And it's so powerful because to my point, 70 plus percent of the workforce are disengaged. It means their heart and head is not in the work. Mm -mm. Well, maybe it's because we've created a transactional culture where we get into a bind, we commit to do better, and I have no emotional investment into my team, into their lives, into their success. So you got a 30% that are actively engaged and you have to think, well, it's because their heart and head is totally in the game. Like they are being engaged at a relational as well as a professional level where, you know, they are willing to risk on the company. They're willing to keep doing the work that matters. You know, that's the, that's the key to me is I don't want to be working with someone that I think might be gone in 12 to 18 months because they're not engaged. So I've kind of flipped the script in my own life and just said, Definitely, there are scenarios in work where we need to be very cautious what we say and how we say it. And Of course. Right. There's, there's always those scenarios. Anything we're talking about that we've learned is not, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, like one size fits all. But I think people come to work because they want to be on a team in a community that is doing phenomenal work that's beautiful or that's impactful or that's life-changing. And so if we are leading and doing relationship in such a way that conflict is not a problem, it's a conversation. It leads to connection, reconciliation, and then action. Wow. I mean, I can think of people who have been instrumental in my life and in my work life because they came and they had this emotionally courageous conversation with me. And they pointed out something I didn't even know was affecting lots of people. Mm -hmm. And then because they were affirming and they helped me see it, and then we were able to move towards health. That's what I remember are those milestone conversations where someone took me from being immature to mature or unhealthy to healthy or from <laughs> inexperienced to experienced. And so why can't we have that same hope for the teams we get to be on? that the relationships we get to have, we're going to have these emotionally courageous relationships because people will be all in with that. Mm -hmm. And it changes our life, which is awesome. Totally. And I, I like to tell people, like, if you're not, who is? And right. maybe people are, but we, we really just can't depend on other people to do that for us. I don't care if you're an hourly worker working part-time. I mean, yeah, our energy that we bring into a space matters and it mm. should be encouraging to you to people that are like well i'm just a part-time worker i'm like well yeah you matter like right. you being there or not matters um and the energy you're bringing really like we have a power to really affect our environments every single person and so you know that's why when i work with teams i always start even with the the founder or the ceo is like self-leadership you know that's yeah. number one like learning to lead self which comes with what does it mean to be curious? How do I have emotional courage? Like you said, identity, understanding what are our limiting beliefs and yes. uh, 
yeah, step one starts with our own health, right? If we want a healthy team, if we want to work in a healthy culture, it's really easy to be like, everybody's so unhealthy here. Um, <laughs> what we can do is like, we can also, we can blame everybody all day long, or we can say like, what can I do to show up in a healthy way? Because that's going to impact someone. I'm yeah. going to give an example. There's a book called Failure of Nerve. I'll put it in the highlights. Um, but mm. It's a really powerful book. And the the story I'll end on is, I think, just going to show, like, helping people understand, like, this emotional courage, how our just doing healthy things can help resolve conflict, even if we're not the one exact having that conversation, but building the environment for that. I think mm -hmm. I, I want to hit on the people that feel like, how can I do this? Or I may not be having a, a conflict right now, but how can I support an environment like this, right? Yes. And. I had a friend, she's a big runner. I am too. And we'd run together and we were running one day. And she said, yeah, I ran on this corner. I can't remember what city her husband's a football coach. So they move a lot, but hmm. she said there was this man and he would just be sitting there smoking every day. He was like a homeless man. And one day I saw him and he looked so different. And hmm. he said that her running by him every day inspired him to like quit smoking and start wow. taking care of himself. Yeah. Awesome. And that's the power of health begetting health just by being around, right? Just by being in contact with other people. And so I, I really want to empower all of, you know, all of you listening today, everybody that's hearing this to say like you making decisions to take emotional courage, whether it be at home with mm -hmm. a child, with a partner, um, and, and doing it in the workplace is going to affect everyone else. That's right. And if it's not, I think your, you know, your definition, you said just when we were, you know, talking beforehand, unhealthy is the body's trying to push something out and toxic is when you can't get it out. So <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll have you back on and we'll talk about yeah. you know, when it's toxic <laughs> Uh, but I think that's, you know, there are some times where people aren't changing and it is becoming an environment where it's a leader and they're, you can't get it out. Um, they're unwilling right. to change and that's when a decision needs to be made. So that's, that's right. another topic for another day, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's inspiring. You tell that story about you, your friend running and the impact that had. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I think we're not taught in school or we don't hear a lot. When if you if you if you go to college and college was your pathway to your career, is if you're working in a team and there is a lot of unhealth around you, that it's there's one thing to be a victim and a spectator and, and everybody's unhealthy, you know, like you were saying, <laughs> you know, that, that that's one thing. Another is when you're practicing health in an unhealthy place or you're practicing healthy rhythms in an unhealthy place. So. That's one thing I would just say people need to keep in mind is there's a level of emotional courage and authenticity and practicing health when it's not well received. And that should not put you in the seat of the judge that's looking, going, everybody here's unhealthy. It should put you in a place of real compassion that like your friend running, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, Running yeah. when she didn't want to, running when it was cold, running when totally. it's hot, running when she doesn't want to. You know, it's like, well, it was the doing it healthy when you didn't want to, when the people around you weren't, that inspired that homeless man to say, I want to step into that emotional courage as well. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's just a, that's a powerful illustration. That I think all of us can use with how we show up at work. Okay. So a few rapid fire questions. Yeah. And I didn't prep you beforehand. That's so okay. Me. <laughs> there are only two really. Uh, best book or podcast you've read recently. Oh, wow. Um, Tribe of Millionaires is the book and it's all about relationships. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. I can't yeah. wait. I haven't heard and, of uh, that one. Yeah. The, a group of five guys, authors wrote this book uh, based on these six effects that they see in their relationships. And uh, they call it uh, in the book, A Tribe of Millionaires, and it does not have to do with money. <laughs> it has to do with the relationships you keep. But it's a tale about these men and their they are actually, they have formed an accountability group where they share their lives. And so it's all about the influence and the impact that happens with the people that, the five to 10 people you keep closest to you. Oh, I so love it. Tribe of Millionaires has definitely been the best book I've read. Uh, okay. This, this season, because <clears throat> I know you're a big reader. And then <laughs> what's a song that keep, keeps you going right now? So we've got a like in good company therapy, work therapy podcast playlist. So I'll add it oh. to our playlist. I know. Oh man, that is a good question. I would say one song is it's kind of a newer one. It's called Still Into You by Dylan Brady. Okay. My wife and I are about to celebrate 23 years of marriage. And so love that song, Still Into You. Number two, I did find it. Dreams by Need to Breathe and Judah and the Lion. Okay. I haven't heard of either of these. I'm excited. Amazing. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you for joining us. And thank you to everybody listening. We hope you have found wisdom, renewal, and the inspiration you're looking for. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Your feedback helps other people, I like to say, get the therapy they need. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. So share your work stories, questions, and ideas with us. We have a link to our survey in the show notes. We'd love for you to ask your questions and be able to feature you on the podcast. Have a wonderful day. 